Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Nicolette Alvarez of the band Pool Kids. We talked about the Sugar Cubes' 1988 debut album, Life's Too Good. We also talk about the cult of Bjork, working for college radio, and not gatekeeping. Pool Kids recently released their new self-titled album on Skeletal Lightning. So go pick that up and go check them out on tour in September with Mountain Goats and then in October with Origami Angel. Please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Also check us out on social media at Twitter and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Okay. Let's chat with Nicolette. Hey, Nicolette, how's it going? Hey, it's great. Thrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking about the Sugar Cube's 1988 album, Life's Too Good. It was their debut album. It came out on April 25th, 1988, and it was released in the UK and Europe on One Little Indian Records and Electro Records in the US. What I'll ask is, when was the first time you listened to Sugar Cube's or this specific album? Okay, so... Fun fact about me, I was a DJ for my college radio station, and this was one of the albums that we had. We had, like, an original copy from, like, because it's um, WVFS Tallahassee from Florida State, and they had this, like, humongous catalog of, like, 50,000-plus CDs of all things. And so they had like a sugar cube CD and I had like just joined the station and was just grabbing random shit off of shelves just to like play and get familiar with like what we had. This was one of the albums I pulled one time and I put on the song birthday because that was the one that was recommended on, um, Mm -hmm. there's like a little review on every single album. And that was when I put on and I was like, this is crazy. And then I kept reading and I was like, this is Bjork's band that's even crazier and like ever since then I have been like so about this album and this band so yeah I don't think I realized until we were doing this that this was Bjork's band really um I I was like oh okay well I mean it's like I had heard the name I Mm -hmm. knew that they were I feel like I just knew they were European Mm -hmm. like I didn't really know much else beside that I think Sometimes when I was in a record store and like if I thought I was like looking for a sugar record, I would see the sugar cubes. Mm -hmm. So I would kind of be I feel like I would kind of be like, that's not sugar and just like go past it. Yeah. You know, and so never really like thought to give it a chance. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It looked it looks and sounds like something I would like, but I just I guess I just was mad that it wasn't sugar that's so fair hey, never... you were on a mission yeah. like you knew what you the heart wants what the heart wants and you did not yeah. want the sugar cubes that's fine yeah do you feel like you were listening to anything like it at the time yeah funny enough so I was just having like a really big like 80s alt rock phase which is why mm-hmm. so the funny thing about like the radio station is it's all in chronological order from when they received the CD it's not alphabetized at all. So you could literally go back in time to like, what was every single like album that was submitted 
in the year 1992 and you could pick off every single CD that like the like station like DJs had submitted that year. So mm. I was just like, it was just like, I was really into like late 80s, like early 90s alt rock kind of the stuff like, and obviously like college radio stuff, mm -hmm. um, specifically like band, like, like the Pixies or Midnight Oil is like this really cool Australian yeah. alt rock band that like had like a college phase that it was this whole like scene that seemed that to get kind of decimated by grunge. Like it was mm -hmm. all like the alternative music that was happening before grunge. But uh, yeah, I was listening to a lot of bands and sugar cubes also get really like lumped in with like, with like uh, new wave, new wave post-punk. Those yeah. were like the two like big like buzzwords I was looking for. Like a lot of comparisons to like talking heads and like B-52s. So it was all within that era of music. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think with it coming a little bit later than some of that stuff, it does make for like an interesting thing. Like being that this record came out in 1988, but they mm -hmm. formed in 1985, it is like a unique ship. So they would have been making things that were somewhat akin to the time frame of, like you said, B-52s or R.E.M., but the scene was already headed in like a darker direction. Yeah. But I also think it's interesting that like, I feel like sometimes like music writing has like a short memory span mm -hmm. and it's like this was on Electra Records. But I feel like when grunge came around, people like to act like that was like the first time indie bands got signed by like big yeah. labels. Like the discussion of like the REM phase that really lasts mm -hmm. up until Sugar Cubes, I feel like almost gets erased by grunge. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, I don't really have an explanation. It's just feels like what the conversations that writers still have today. Yeah, I feel like it was just like a combination of like writers and like record labels just like saying like, this is the easy sell to both readers and listeners. So we're just going to stop paying attention to it. Yeah. It's like my read, I think I, though. Yeah, I think I what's... There. Yeah, I wasn't either. Uh, I think probably some of the reason, I'm guessing, I don't, I don't really know. I wasn't there either. Um, was that maybe like REMs or Sugar Cubes, I guess, didn't sell to the, like in the way Nirvana did, but also yeah. this record sold like a million copies, like yeah. worldwide. So I, I don't really know what the answer or why kind of time has either forgotten. I, I guess if I'm talking to someone 10 years older than me, mm -hmm. then they might have a different read on Sugar Cubes. They might be like, I couldn't get away from it, you know? Yeah, for sure. But, I don't know. I just feel like it's not something anyone's been like, hey, you should like the sugar cubes. Yeah, you know? it's like they definitely have a cult following, but it's not as like prevalent as like so many other bands. Like this was one that like I'm constantly like bumping into friends who like are like super into music and super plugged into like indie bands from like decades past who are like have never heard of them, which like I find very surprising. Or like, I definitely remember there was one friend who like was like the like galaxy brained genius when it came to like knowing like every single band and every single record and who influenced who. Cause this band was a big fucking deal, especially yeah. like considering they had like some pretty crazy like quote unquote DIY roots. I like hesitate mm -hmm. to use that word cause it, means different things to different people yeah 
but like they were sugar cubes were in charge of like their own like booking promotion distribution all of that before they had like some fluke like literally the single birthday which was a song that i had heard mm-hmm. had like a like blew up kind of a fluke thing specifically on college radio um in the uk i believe was where it started yeah um it was just like a really weird like trajectory for a band to take yeah. especially back then but uh yeah no it's they're not quite as well remembered as you think that they would be and that does kind of make sense because bjork is such a like humongous figure that like anything that she did afterwards just completely overshadowed all of that and like funny enough like she was in like a shit ton of bands before like sugar cubes even she's kind of like a famous child prodigy i don't know if you like read up on that at all yeah i looked into that and uh when i started like writing notes for it today like the kind of thing she did before it like if you could see it's it's almost like half of the page in the margins Mm -hmm. of all the projects she did before that point i mean it's it's a little bit and then he also just writing down like what her solo albums after the fact so that like took up like the whole page of everything Mm -hmm. so it was interesting i and kind of even going well forward i guess from sugar cubes it's like i can't really figure out like why i've not tried to get into bjork i feel like Mm -hmm. it's and i think i did figure it out and i know i'm jumping ahead is i feel like the way I see a lot of people talk about Bjork makes it kind of strange for me in that it's like they don't like in a way I feel like people don't let her be like her creative self and I'm not saying everyone so maybe a certain type of guy I feel like they like kind of put her in this weird category like she's like an object yeah I mean yes men do that a lot and I feel like it's sort of like I don't want to be that kind of person you know Mm -hmm. so it's sort of like i kind of stayed away from it because i feel like people are like act really weird about about bjork like how their fandom goes in weird directions i feel like for sure um yeah yeah, it's definitely like a weird mix of like and even like when i was going back and reading some like reviews for this album that like came out like the year of that i just like hadn't read before i was doing this prep for this like even some of the writers like kind of like lean into this like she's like this wide-eyed sexy feral child woman and I was like okay and I was like I thought it I found it kind of funny I was like I feel like people kind of still do the same thing today in this yeah that's why I mentioned it because like when a lot of the press started coming out all around this record it centered around Bjork and the band disliked it like immensely yeah and so we are a band not just this one personality yeah, but it's also strange because it's like she put out a solo album when she her first solo album when she was eleven. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in a sense it's like some degrees of this kind of like Bjork worship, but in like weird angles. Yeah, you know? there's kind of two things going on. It's like, yes, she's just like an immensely talented person. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, but then there is that weird angle that people do where it's like, I would bet. I remember a situation it's like when I saw like a bully play and it was like there were just like multiple dudes being like marry me you know while they were playing Mm -hmm. and it's like I could only you know I mean I know that's like the tried and true kind of unfortunately thing that happens but it's like even some of the things that 
I feel like were happening like when Sugar Cube started was a a lot of that. And you're yeah. saying like, you know, a lot of the reviews reflect that too. So that's interesting and sad that we haven't progressed as a society nothing, since nothing, 1988. Nothing has changed. Time's a flat circle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, uh, I know it's like, it kind of, once again, kind of jumps ahead. It's like, even to the point, I, of course, like people know about the, I feel like the things I know about Bjork are almost like, almost like TMZ type thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like the photographer being punched yeah. thing, you know, that happened in what, 2008 or something, 2003. Something like that, I'm yeah. not sure. Uh, and then the uh, fan that mailed her a, a sulfuric acid letter bomb mm-hmm. uh, because like he realized that she would never be his lover. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's like, that's it's, that's where it's like, I don't, I mean, whatever is getting to these people people and it's not her fault it's just like didn't make me want to like get into it yeah you know i i don't know it's really it's really strange but like what like going back to what you were saying about like the kind of diy roots of the band Mm -hmm. so i can kind of take us out of like the weird cult of uh how people (laughs) act toward bjork people Uh, just society society yeah terrible so she was it's like okay so one of her first bands that she was in was called spit and snot Mm -hmm. and then she was in like a jazz uh fusion band called exodus which is funny because of the metal band yeah um and then she was in it's like i could read them all there's like jam 80 tappy tickerous i'm not gonna pronounce that right then a band called miranda then kooky was one that was on like crass records uh yeah and interesting enough, I mean, it was even like one of the records was uh, recorded by a member of Crass, and then they were the first Icelandic band to perform at Roskilde. I know I mispronounced that in Denmark. So that's like a, so even before the Sugar Cube started, it's like she already had these things. Like depending on where you're looking, like in, like a, already a made an impact in I guess like punk. Like, yeah anarchist sure. kind of punk <laughs> yeah. yeah so that i don't know it's re- it's really strange because it's like going into this it's like one i didn't know that bjork was in this band and then two i didn't know that bjork had like such long legs in well diy as well mm-hmm. i know that's been co-opted in a different way now but yeah that kind of culture like you were saying like this record was uh the sugar cubes record was uh licensed by Electra Records. So yes. meaning that they essentially turned down bigger labels that wanted to put out the album after the single came out and decided to put it on like a more local label, One Little Indian. And so just like kind of having the foresight of that without, you know, is very punk, I guess is in quotes or actually punk. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I know I went on like a long little thing about it, but there's like so much you could get into about this band that I've never knew. Yeah, no, there's there's so much there's so much to dig in there. Uh, there's a lot of lore. Bjork has a lot of lore, and just like the the sugar cubes themselves do too. It's like a whole like self eating snake sort of situation, is how I felt about yeah. it. Like, because I didn't know about anything like before sugar cubes. Before I was like, I'm gonna start like really like digging into this for this whole yeah so i guess like getting into it when you were working at 
the college radio station. And actually, I want to kind of put a pin in that because I want to let's actually go there first. I think that's it's interesting when people work in college radio, like what why college radio when you got into it? Like what made you want to do it? So it was 100% because I had a friend who was like a year or two older than me who like we, he had gone to the, we were at the same college. He had graduated and gone there. And then I graduated and went there. And he's been like one of my really close friends since like eighth grade. And he was the one who got in college radio first. And once I like moved down there and it was like my first semester, he was like, yo, you got to join the radio station. Like, He's like, I know that you would really enjoy this, uh, yada, yada, yada. So he just kind of like dragged me into it. And through that, I actually met Christine, um, who's in Pool Kids, the front person, mm-hmm. guitar player, singer through the radio station. But we'll put in a, pit, a pin in that. But yeah, so I got it into college radio through my friend Carl, who just like knew that I'd always been like into music. Um, it's not like I had like any aspirations. Like I was like, I'm going to graduate and become a college radio DJ. It wasn't anything like that. It was just kind of a like friend suggested it. And I said, I'll try anything once and just went along yeah. with it. I think I, I kind of asked that because I grew up in places that just didn't have college radio, but were mm-hmm. close enough to places that did. So it was always something I was kind of like, you know, it's like the, just the term college rock. And it's like, yeah. I didn't have college radio in Wilmington, North Carolina when I grew up. And then when I moved to Charlotte, we don't have college radio. So it's like Raleigh has college radio. And then yeah. like the, then uh, Columbia, USC and South Carolina has college radio, but so surrounding, but not in any towns that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So did you have college radio like growing up? I guess before you got to Tallahassee? So yeah, I lived in Gainesville, Florida, Mm -hmm. and there is a college radio station there, but I had no clue about it. Oh, okay. I didn't know about it. Same thing with like the punk and DIY scene of Gainesville. I didn't know anything about that whole mess growing up. Like I was in bands, but we were like classic rock cover bands. And every year that like the legendary like fest music festival which is a diy punk music festival that happens in gainesville every year that that happened my parents were like who are these people stay away from them they're dirty and they like wear black they're goth stay away from them and then i grew up and became that and my my parents were nightmare (laughs) yada yada but i wasn't like in i wasn't aware of like micro niche like indie scenes like that i was not listening to college radio prior to joining it was a whole world that I didn't like discover, quote unquote, um, until I got to college. And my friend Carl was like, look at this. Let me show you something, kid. So. so if you were to kind of like make a caricature of who you were at that time, before you picked up that Sugar Cube CD, mm-hmm. like, what do you think it was? Um, I was a nerdy classic rock and jazz fan was like okay. my whole thing and I was also like I had been into like some like bigger indie artists through like things like tumblr <laughs> from back in the day like I knew who like arctic monkeys were and like the strokes and bands like that but that was pretty much like about as deep as my knowledge of like alternative artists went and then once I joined the radio station and was exposed to this entire like huge world outside of like what I just been shown which was like 
bands that were the most popular band on the planet 50 years prior mm-hmm. and like jazz artists that I'd been exposed to through like school because I did like some like jazz study stuff throughout like high school and like briefly in college it didn't stick didn't go well um but that was pretty much all I had and then it was like whoa there have been crazy punk and like smaller DIY artists going all the way back so. Yeah. So were your parents like listening to jazz or anything in the house or was my it... parents weren't listening to jazz? No, my dad like was a huge Beatles fan. And okay. my mom like was just kind of one of those people who's just like always liked like radio hits. Like she liked like, oh, okay. like Al Stort and yeah. uh, some other like easy listening, like Ricky Lee Jones sort of music. But yeah, yeah. and my dad was also really into hair metal. That was a big thing. My dad liked That's hair metal cool, a actually. lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess like, I don't know, probably like a previous episode, it was like someone was telling me their parents were into like, you know, like indie rock. Like they were like, oh, they'd go to Yola Tango shows. And oh, I'm like, what? Sick. It really seemed like my parents just like burned all their music, like just set it in a fire like before I was born because it's mm-hmm. just like, and you know, and then you would get little things like, oh, I like Neil Young or something. Yeah. Like, what? You know, but it's like trying to think of like, it's like people younger than me almost had like cool parents in a way. Yeah, so it's comforting. I like, like <laughs> kind of discovered that. Like it was kind of funny, like the way like dad rock means so many different things to different people. Like in my head, that's like, oh, dad rock is like the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or the Who. And then other people are like, no, dad rock to me is Sonic Youth and Pearl Jam and Yola Tango and like super dragged and all of these artists that I didn't know about until like way later in the game that in my head, I'm like, oh, those are hip current, way more like relevant artists than like, I don't know, like the who or whoever. Yeah. How many years do you think it'll be before you'll hear someone say like my chemical romance is dad rock? I feel like it's kind of already happening. I think yeah. it is. Fun fact. Uh, so this past year, I learned that my dad is a huge My Chemical Romance fan. Wow. <laughs> Didn't know this entire time. I never got into them when they were huge. My siblings never did. Apparently, he caught them on like Jimmy Kimmel like uh, 10 plus years ago and was like, this band is cool and has been secretly listening to them this whole time. Which I what, was like, like, all right, what's go What's funny dad. is like, was he just not telling people he was into it or was he guarding it in a way? I just don't think he was telling people. I don't think he was ashamed. <laughs> My dad like isn't isn't very self-conscious of like things like that. <laughs> and it's a quality about him that I love. Yeah, I guess like I kind of ask about all of that because it's like I feel like get, liking the sugar cubes, like kind of liking like post-punk stuff. Like were you already like into playing bass Yes. Uh, before college yeah no I had already been like super like I'd been playing like I'd been in music like involved in like music programs and like since sixth grade basically mm-hmm. oh, okay yeah. yeah I was like a I was a jazz band kid all throughout middle and high school and I had played in like again like a couple of like goofy little like bands where we like got in our like friends's parents's garage and we're playing like the kinks and songs that we were trying to write that like sucked really bad yeah yeah so I guess like do you feel like any of that kind of spoke to you like your background in like jazz or just being a bass player does that speak to you with finding the sugar cubes 
I don't think so. I think that I found them at the right time because I had finally like I had been such a snob about like modern music. I was like, none of it's real music. Like after mm. 1979, nothing good came out for like such a long time, an embarrassing amount of time, like until I was like 19, probably. And so then like I found the radio station and discovered like this whole world of music I hadn't been aware of prior to that. And then it was like a couple months in that I found the sugar cubes. Like, I don't know. I was just like, so like stubborn about it for a very long time. So what do you remember? Like what your first impression of it or did it like remind you of anything? Um, at first I was just kind of like blown away. Like I was like the guitars kind of sound like elephants on birthday, in my opinion. Like there were just so mm. many, like, different like ways that they like were making a guitar sound that I hadn't really yeah. heard um that I thought was like super super cool um and like I like was familiar with like a few like contemporary artists of theirs like like I said like Midnight Oil and some other like jangly like 80s alt rock bands but in my head I was like oh this is so much cooler than all that other stuff yeah yeah like midnight oil definitely has like more aspirations about being like a radio band I, yeah. the only reason i feel like i know about them is like one time when one of my band's albums came out michael was like oh the song kind of sounds like midnight oil and i was like i don't know who that is <laughs> you know and checked it out and i was like i don't see it but you know it's it's mm -hmm. kind of interesting time and place like also trying to think of like alt scenes in different countries which mm -hmm. you know this applies for but it's like something kind of being like australia's rem or something yeah. you know you know or like iceland's rem you know yeah. which they, it's like not even sounding like it per se but it's like yeah what's kind of the analog you know yeah but there was something about like the guitar sounds that like in my head i was able to like make those connections and i was like this band is doing all of that but like taking it like a few steps further and also like her vocal delivery is just like undeniably like so interesting to listen to um, to the point where I hadn't really like ever paid attention to what she was even saying. I was like the way she's just like pronouncing words and like vocalizing was just like so captivating. And then like when I like looked at the lyrics, I was like, what is she talking about? I was just kind of like, what, 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 what is she on about? About like a five-year-old girl and scratching a guy's beard? What's happening here? <laughs> and yeah funny enough and I've like made this like point to a couple of friends every once in a while you'll hear a band where it's like you know that that song was not written in English before yeah. it was like performed or recorded um in English afterwards and I didn't clock that the first time I ever heard Sugar Cubes but then once I went and read the lyrics I was like okay this is something is going on here with like the way yeah. Do you feel like you knew, because of where you were getting it at the college radio station, had you even like processed that it was an Icelandic band or was it just like, this is a band I've discovered? It was just a band that I had like discovered. Like I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like if, if I didn't have like Wikipedia to tell me, mm -hmm. if I listened to it, I would just be like, okay. I mean, I don't think I would place it really anywhere. It's like, it yeah. feels like it could be of anywhere. Like yeah. it is, it is strange enough that it feels different than sort of American versions of indie rock at the time, college rock or whatever mm -hmm. we're, we're kind of using, but it's like, it doesn't feel out of place with something. 
and also yeah. kind of a ongoing conversation with guests on this podcast. I often don't feel like vocals or lyrics are like kind of the first thing I pick up on. Yeah. You know, and I don't, do you feel like that, was that the case with you like going from like, I guess more jazz background? Do you feel like it's music first or words first? For you? It's normally music first. Like, yeah, there'll be like something that I'll latch on to, like either like a guitar, like hook or like a like drum beat that is just like super like, uh, like I think it's really yeah. fucking cool. Um, yeah. It's very rare that like lyrics are the first thing that like grab me. Yeah. Like it's like I, I, I could feel myself like singing along to something, but mm-hmm. I'm almost not even processing oh, what I don't I'm know singing along to. to. Like anything, like any of my favorite songs, like I like I couldn't tell you. Like and I've like definitely like looked like really silly in front of a lot of friends who have like either like they put a song on in the car that I get like super jazzed about and I'm like trying to sing along and then I'm like I don't know any of these words or trying to think like or just like I don't know like there have just been like moments where I've had like friends like reference like song lyrics like bands that we're like both mutually into and they're kind of looking at me like expectedly like hey hey and I'm like whoops sorry that one straight over my head yeah I yeah I have done this thing and I should know by now because people do this all the time in songwriting where uh, oftentimes, if people aren't aware, people will make a hook something, but then it might almost be like opposite of what the song's about in a way. And so I've had times in like recent years where I've told my wife like, oh, this is us and oh, the, no. because of the chorus or something. And I should know better. And then she's like, you know what the song's about, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. nope. You know, and it's like, and then it's, it's you know, I, I think it's, it happened it happened to one song and I was like, Oh, I, I think I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Um, but I've fallen for it so many times where you just get into the hook and then you're like, Oh, I fell for that trap again. Like, but a previous guest, they were almost like confounded with the fact that like, I don't process lyrics first. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost just like half and half of people. It's a strange thing. Yeah. No, everyone definitely like, latches onto it differently and it's funny that you've lived that experience with your like with your wife uh my partner did the same thing to me with a jumble wumba <laughs> song there's one song called the big issue and they're just like describing this like chaotic woman and he like said it as jokes like jokingly he was like this is you and like sent me like one like chunk of like this girl just being a crazy lady and then I like read the rest of it because he had sent it to me. I was like, what the fuck else are they talking about? It's a song about like homelessness in the UK. I was like, what? <laughs> What's going on yeah, I here? Think, I think the song that I'm thinking of was like about divorce. Oh, awesome. But it's like the, 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 hook made it, the hook made it seem like it was like, I would just been like, oh, the people are happy together. But that was the foil of the song, mm-hmm. which it's like, I've fucking done that in lyric writing. It's like, you know, you yeah. just think you're witty when you do it. Like it's, it has happened so many times, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, I guess like even thinking about sugar cubes, it's like with going into reading the lyrics, do you, cause do you feel like the lyrics like make sense or they're almost like a poetic thing? Um, it depends on the song. It for sure depends on the song. And like this album, like I like in my own notes, I like kind of, cause I was like, I realized like when I like picked this one, I was like, 
I couldn't tell you necessarily if like the songs all have like a main idea, big picture, like subject matter or what. So then I sat down and really went through every single one and I was just writing. I was like, all right, main idea. What have we got here? And it was like, all right, we've got a song about MILFs. We've got a song, which is Mama. We've got a song. Is that really what that's about? She just like keeps talking about like this big, beautiful mom, like like, mother and like keeps saying that. And it was like, I'm watching her and she's yada, yada, yada. And then like, there's some other songs (laughs) about like, like that are like pretty like sexual and then there's like another one that is like a from the perspective of a child watching a like bicycle accident um and then birthday is about like a young girl's birthday and she's hanging out with her friend her neighbor friend who's an older guy um Mm. and it's just like children and like adult like friendships um and like I don't know like it's just like a very like broad a lot of different subjects and some of them were like way more like like just a handful of like phrases repeated over and over like what's the one I think it's cold sweat which they or not cold sweat yeah I think it is cold sweat where like they keep just like they repeat like the words hot meat over and over again yeah and it's definitely like in a sexual context and like that's when I was like okay this was definitely written in Icelandic before it was translated to English yeah um one of the things I was well with it being titled life's too good one of the Mm -hmm. things I was reading about like that was like a purposeful thing to like make the artwork really bright and uh, name it something positive to kind of like I guess actually I'm a little confused but I think it's really just it's like a joke in a way yeah a lot of this record is definitely it as a joke yeah yeah they definitely have like a sense of humor about like all of it like and I agree with that with the with that sentiment a lot especially like Mm -hmm. on like some of the more like sexually like aggressive songs like like it's a joke like I think sex is a joke personally everything's a bit um and like they like really just like blow up like how ridiculous the whole thing is yeah it feels like because I was watching some music videos like even kind of past this album because I feel like you know this album really like kind of set the stage for them so outside Mm -hmm. of like birthday there there wasn't there didn't seem to be as much like television appearances which would kind of make sense a lot of that came with the record after and then really their last album but it's like any of the television appearances that you see like they're having like the most fun like on stage like it's it is it's like an antithesis i know we keep using like rem but it's like when i watch like rem things there a lot of times they're just like kind of standing there yeah you know but it's that's like not the vibe with them so yeah it really seems like they have like a good sense of humor Mm -hmm. which i guess i was slightly surprised with thinking of bjork's art yeah but also i'm saying that as someone that really obviously yeah no a lot of people definitely think that she's very serious like very very serious which i definitely like understand um she's got very she's got some really heady albums yeah but she like has consistently always had like a pretty like fun like camp like almost like a campy like impulse too like and one of my favorite examples of that is like that iconic swan dress she wore yeah um to the grammys i think is when like i don't know like she did that like she knew exactly what she was doing she's like i know that, that like people are going to talk about this and say this lady's crazy like she thought it was just very funny 
but that is definitely reflected in all of the sugar cubes like songs and like so on and so forth yeah i don't know why i'm thinking of this but i'm like when i was listening to it today i was like would a band like this exist now and if they oh, did exist now one. would they be popular and there's so many factors there because i think that i think like bjork it's like as much as they hated it it's like she is a lot of the reason why they got popular yeah uh, for good or for bad kind of how people viewed it and so it's like i guess it would you would also have to have a bjork like figure to mm -hmm. yeah it's impossible to really know but i'm like the point being is i don't feel like as in as popular as this style of music or in its different forms were, mm -hmm. no one's really playing post-punk like this. No. Like there is a post-punk formula that kind of seems to happen now. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like it's like, if you don't sound like and I don't dislike these bands, but it's like, if you don't sound like some version of either proto-martyr or idols, then people don't even think of you as post-punk. Yeah. I will say, I feel like the two bands that I feel like, kind of like capture the spirit today is I feel like that band wet leg is like um a pretty good like spiritual successor to the sugar cubes and that like mm -hmm. they definitely have like I laugh out loud listening to some of like what they're talking about that is a band where I do pay attention to what they're saying because it's like all like mm -hmm. very flat spoken word delivery and I would cater like I would definitely like shove them under like the whole like post punk label, um, but they're being very silly about it, much like in the way that like the sugar cubes are. And then the other one, and then this might be like a bit of like a hot take that I am just inventing off the top of my head, but I kind of feel like the Armed might have like a similar attitude towards oh, yeah. music, just like their whole thing is like they're like like the whole like fitness cult like. There's that one, there's a one really famous interview that I think was through Vice that um, the arms did where the guy, the journalist that was like hanging out with them for like a few days, like no one ever told him any of their names if they were actually in the band or not. Like five different people said that their name was Dan. And they like, just like, kind of like took this music journalist on a ride and just gave up, like, wouldn't give any real answers. And we're clearly just kind of like messing with him the whole time. And it was like, does the art, when he'd ask questions, like, do you think the arms is a band or are you guys a cult? And they'd just be like, I don't know, man, let's go watch some dogs race in Detroit now. And it like, yeah, like, just like, kind of like not taking the whole thing seriously. And I feel like they like are still doing that, like similar thing with like their more like recent releases that that interview is from like a few years back but I do feel like there is a little bit of like the humor that like the and silliness that the sugar cubes like definitely like embodied when they were big it does show up in a handful of bands that we're seeing today that fall under the whole like post-punk label but mm -hmm. definitely not that many like there's definitely like a lot of very serious kind of dour was the word I saw like thrown around about like what you think of when you think of like bands of that genre. Yeah. Yeah. I often like it when like if a band is really serious, like musically, mm -hmm. but you can feel like as people there, you know, have fun, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's like, 
like I don't need the music to be like silly per se. Yeah. Because I feel like the music here is like pretty serious. Like you could take it on face value. It's just you know, but it's like when you watch the videos and or if you pick up on certain things, that's where I think like the humor starts shining through. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they're writing funny songs. You know? Yeah. Like a lot of like. Like a lot of pop punk bands would just throw the you know yeah. fart song on there you know but like yeah, it's the not fart, the fart nothing's song. like the that. classic fart yeah. song which Blink One Eighty Two yeah. song is the fart song I don't know <laughs> all of them all of them um, but yeah I mean it's it's like they take their art seriously but it's like mm-hmm. they don't take themselves completely seriously yeah and actually I feel like uh, Pool Kids I feel like does that often Interesting. I feel like it's like, oh. you know. Well, with the videos that y'all put out kind of recently, there's definitely like, you know, kind of funny stuff that happens in the videos. But but I feel like it's like when I'm listening to the music, I, it's not like I feel like I'm being mm-hmm. sometimes when I feel like music is funny, then I feel like it's like people aren't willing to be honest. And mm-hmm. so but I don't I don't feel that with pool kids. It's just like, you know, seeing personalities online and Twitter and things. Yeah. It's like, clearly humor you know talking about yeah. humor is like really the worst thing you can it is about. yeah especially when you're like digging into like <laughs> why is this thing like the science of humor too or like trying to dissect it it's like oh no oh no yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going down a dark hole here now yeah yeah i was like i was like i really got i gotta stop because yeah so what yeah. are your thoughts on stand-up <laughs> how do you feel about improv yes and do these words mean anything to you <sighs> well um I when I see people talk about like they're like oh this didn't age well or with, with stand up or things that are funny, yeah. I, it's like I I grew up like loving stand up, mm-hmm. but like when I see someone that's like let's say like twenty two or something and they're like I don't know why anyone else why people thought this was funny, and I'm like I'm not even gonna <laughs> you know because I feel like a lot of people do it and then they, they want to explain it and I'm mm-hmm. like don't it's it's a trap like don't do it yeah there's no explanation like people were doing the steve martin thing like a couple months ago where they're like oh why do people ever think king tut thing was funny but as a little kid i thought king tut was like super funny yeah and it wasn't even like really for me i was already like too young for it but i thought it was funny yeah and so and then i'm like i don't it's it just feels like trying to explain like why something was funny you know yeah it's like it's the worst feeling in the world like, yeah I won't, it's it's i bad. won't fall for that yeah you're too smart you're too smart too for smart. that i think I, it's just i see myself probably have i've done it enough mm-hmm. that i'm like oh don't don't be i've seen also it's like when you're on twitter and you see people like try and do that and they just get like destroyed oh yeah i'm like eh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that yeah but Moving on from humor, I guess. Yeah. Um, now, what we, we should do is we have to pronounce everyone in the band's full names. Oh, good God. Okay. All right. No. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Here's the other side of that, though, is like the other elephant in this room is doing like the Bjork voice. Oh, like yeah. the, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But if you Neither want to, I. I won't stop you. No, but I was I was trying to like think about like what her range is and usually my brain i don't really think about like like it's a soprano but then it said like what the range is and i'm like i don't even really know what Mm -hmm. i'm reading because i'm not like classically trained in that way so they're just words you know so Mm -hmm. i'm like okay you know but like of course she has an amazing voice and it's like feels like 
I don't know. It does feel like it's like usually in these type of bands, it's like the person who was singing is just really the person that was kind of like took that duty in a band, you know, yeah. like, like dinosaur junior or something. It's just like, That's a good well, I guess I'll do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's never like these people were like, they were almost like, well, no one else is going to sing. So I have to, a lot of these bands, you know, like even probably like REM it's like, but I, tons of music I listen to. It's like, I'm fine with someone not being like a great singer. Per yeah. Se. You know, it's like, yes, I've listened to emo and that's most people. Yeah. But like with her, it's like, oh, she is like a great singer who can do tons of different things. I don't yeah. know. So not sure what I'm commenting on, but yeah. Uh, I'm not sure either, but you know, yeah, she's a great singer and like has an incredible like character, like very unique voice that she's able to embody many different characters with. And that's like really cool. How it happens. I guess, was there, were there like, because you were saying you did do like some of your own research. I guess if there's kind of beats that you feel like you found in your research, we can talk about. I mean, the only like real things that like I was like interested to hear your thoughts on is like, so obviously there's Bjork, acrobatic, amazing voice that like has like, she's like stretched out and used to, to like make an entire like crazy decade span career with. The other vocalist in the sugar cubes. Yeah. What was your there opinion was... on his like quote unquote rapping slash spoken word delivery? Because a lot of people fucking hate it. And there's a couple like songs like Birthday, or I think Deus is one of the other ones where like there's very little of him. I think his name is Einar. I'm pretty sure that's how to pronounce it. It's like oh, E-I. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Einar. Yeah. People really fucking hate him. And like, it's definitely like a very polarizing thing. Whereas I don't mind it. I'm not upset. I think that he comes off as goofy sometimes, but oh, it yeah, doesn't yeah, like yeah. ruin songs for me. Um, It didn't, it didn't ruin anything for me. I, I, I feel like it's something I'm used to. Yeah. Like, it's like, not that this band sounds like them, but even thinking about like birthday party or like kind of that, time frame mm-hmm. of kind of post-punk there were times where either a lot of times it was either the main singer somebody would just start doing weird spoken word like yeah i feel like they hadn't really fleshed out a lot of like what i'm gonna keep calling it indie rock but i guess mm-hmm. alternative rock they haven't really completely fleshed it out and that's actually what i love a lot about kind of the 80s era of alternative rock because you could kind of do anything and i know yeah. that sounds like i'm not really saying anything but it's like it's so unpolished a lot of times yeah like like some of my favorite albums are almost like before a band made a transition in their sound like Mm -hmm. for an example like there's one specific tsol record um that it's like they were they started doing like kind of death rock kind of thing like goth kind of things and they they kind of went from being like a la punk band and then they started doing this pseudo goth rock thing and then after that, they just became like a hard rock band. Mm-hmm. So there's these weird albums that people do and kind of their mid-careers that I feel like sometimes are the best because they're they're trying to find a new thing. Like you can, mm-hmm. a lot of like 80s punk does the same thing, like Dag Nasty whenever they start going like really melodic. Yeah. Um, but so this almost feels like a band <laughs> that was like someone's mid-era. 
you yeah. know so it feels and comfortable to me honestly like and that read i feel like is honestly like pretty accurate because a lot of them had been in band like had been in like straight punk bands together before yeah. this like that uh i'm not going to pronounce it but uh k-u-k-l that had a handful of the members um of sugar cube york included in it yeah. um before sugar cubes formed like they like had all like been like working together for like years at that point so the sugar cubes i mean like obviously different bands there's a couple different people but like i don't know they'd all been working together long enough then they'd like definitely wanted to try something very different yeah so. i mean that's a good point because it's it then it is sort of the middle era i think i kept calling them uh kooky like K- i thought it was k-u-k-i but now i'm seeing that as k-u-k-l so now i, I really yeah. have no clue um uh, and I guess it's often style. It says it's often stylized as like K period U period K period L. Okay. So I'm like, I don't even know what. So I, then you would say K U K L, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know. And it's that's a thing too. It's like for all the kind of anarchist kids that I've known at a distance, mm-hmm. it's like no one's been like, hey, you should listen to this band. Yeah. You know, like like when. When I was in Finland in like uh, November, oh, it cool. felt like when I was there, it's almost like when I was looking into like music history, it's like they just had their complete different thing. So mm-hmm. it's like there's a rich history and these books probably already exist where you could just write a whole book on like Icelandic music. Oh, for sure. And yeah. you just don't know any of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, like, I don't was... know who KUKL are, or the Elger Sisters was another band that they did, yeah. I think, right after KUKL. Um, or maybe I'll just keep calling them kooky. I'm not, I'm not really sure. But, but yeah, I guess back to the other guy singing was the point of us mm-hmm. mentioning that. I feel like I've heard a lot of people kind of doing that thing in this era, and it makes mm-hmm. me think of this band called The Stranglers. Um and there's time frames of this kind of 80s era where things go into carnival music in a way mm-hmm. that this is... So with this being a little bit more straightforward, in quotes, because it isn't, uh, I, I don't know. It's not that hard to digest for me. Okay. You know, so you weren't but I could see. And I'm not either, but like I just like in conversations with friends and like I was just reading like reviewers and like other people like in mod like online commenters which i love reading through like crazy like people like internet commenters like what what they have to think about something from like 10 years ago because it was like a couple of like 20th 25th anniversary like let's revisit this album write-ups that were online that i went through and there were always a bunch of like people in the comments being like yo fuck this guy's voice it ruins the band and it was a bunch of people saying this in like 2005 or like between like in that like bubble of like 2000 and 2005 who like probably like weren't used to like that uh thing that you were just talking about within Mm -hmm. like 80s vocalists styles well i I think there's also with it yeah i think there's also a lot that i'm projecting onto the we'll just say the other guy Mm-hmm. Um, is I've for like 10 years, I've been like the other singer in a band. Okay. And like, I've also, I've, I have like two projects where I'm like the guy that sings a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? So, but I also think it's like, when I think of bands that I like, it's like even like early Goo Goo Dolls, it's like the bassist sang a lot more and people often hate his songs. 
Yeah. But in a way, I'm like, like when I think about that or Husker Du, it's like, but that's the package I signed up for. Yeah. You know, like, so I'm used to kind of like there being bands that have like a quote unquote lesser singer. Mm-hmm. And I, so, but I think that's what makes the whole package interesting. Yeah. You know? No, like, I love the way that their voices like play off of each other. Um, and I think it's like really cool having like the di- very different like approaches within the same song. So, yeah. Sorry I like how they do it a lot more than some people that shift a lot because like, my band does like it's like one person will sing one song one person will sing the other song so i Mm -hmm. think that can be a little bit more jarring than what they're even doing like you know or like when i think about like lemuria you know like people Mm -hmm. will always comment on like you know alex's vocals you know um you know and it's like but i feel like sugar cubes do it in a way that it's they're off they're always like on each other's songs it's it's not really one person's song or the other it's just they're singing together and then the guy pipes in with like a very low kind of weird thing. You barky, know? kind of barky almost. He's like a little bit of a barky quality to his voice. Yeah, but there was like a live video I saw and they had a mixed really high. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, that was like one of the first times where I was like, oh, this is really jarring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. to kind of have that, you know, but I don't know. I, I like it. I like it when those kind of things make it feel like what you're not supposed to do. And I feel like, now in music and this is where I start sounding like guy that doesn't like music after 1979 or something, you know, mm-hmm. like you were talking about earlier where I kind of wish that I felt like bands were doing that more, like kind of mm-hmm. almost doing the wrong things on purpose. Yeah. You know, and I don't feel like that kind of happens. Like a lot of times I feel like, you know, we as music listeners have gotten used to like, you know, everything being on a grid or like yeah, things or being like, perfectly mixed, you know? Yeah. Or like pitch corrected to like inhuman yeah. standards to the point where it's like you hear someone singing in real life and you're like, this natural human voice sounds bad to me now when it's like, that's no, <laughs> they're doing a great job. They're just not being autocorrected to like hell and back. Yeah. I like very, that like, feeling of take. Yeah, when, when, like, I don't know, like, I always, like, I go to even, like, Grateful Dead or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. like, none of those, that's kind of back to, like, the, none of the guys could sing re- well. Yeah. They just sang because they had to. Yeah. You know? And, and I don't even mean that as a bad thing, but there's so many, it's, like, I don't know, like, Neil Young or, like, was Tom Petty who probably wasn't even the best singer in his band. He's just yeah. the guy that sang. Yeah, you know? for sure. Like, I think Howie, the bassist, was, like, a way better singer than him. And I think that makes for like an interesting thing when it's like you also feel even with Bjork where like it feels like they have to work for it more or she's Mm -hmm. she's good at sounding like that. Maybe this comes naturally and she's obviously an amazing singer, but I like it when you can feel like somebody is having to work at it a little bit more. And so Einer might he'd probably be more of that person. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. He's definitely putting his whole pussy into that whole thing every time you hear it comes through. Recording. Yeah. And he's also, I love where it's like when you look at the, I mean, because he plays it on the record some, but anytime I see like a vocals and trumpet, I'm mm-hmm. just like, we're, we are in for something oh, good. Like We're in business. We're in business. We're cooking with fire now. Yeah. And like you were saying earlier about the uh, guitar, like there's times where it's like the guitars sound like keys and i know later on they definitely have like a more solid key player yeah. but uh, 
he plays guitar in a way where like with effects it's like he's kind of holding a lot of those kind of lines that i feel like keyboards would do yeah for sure yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of like so, cool yeah. textural stuff that like god i like hate invoking her name invoking her name right now because it's like such a trendy like zeitgeisty almost annoying thing but like kate bush did mm -hmm. a lot of really cool production and like crazy like technique like production techniques that like i also feel like you can totally hear coming through on like sugar cubes with like crazy like synths and like guitar sounds and like stuff that like is accomplished on the record yeah yeah i mean i think I don't know what the conversations were around that, but it's like interesting to think of like maybe how they were potentially influenced by someone like Kate Bush and they would have mm -hmm. kind of had to. Like, I yeah. feel like there's like a connection with like the UK scenes and Iceland because it's kind of logically probably the biggest market from that point. Yeah, no, um, they're definitely like intertwined for sure. Yeah, it's like a double-edged sword thing with the whole like Kate Bush being Stranger Things music now mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm happy that so many people will listen to it. Yeah. But it sort of like, it does kind of like take it away from people that kind of used it as like, there's even like someone like big boy was saying like he, uh, like he was super influenced by Kate Bush and that's yeah. what like influenced like a lot of his beats. So then it's, it's not that same reference anymore mm -hmm. that I feel like, but I don't know. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's Yeah. It's definitely not a bad thing. I just didn't want to like, come off as like I'm bringing her up just because like she's yeah. like super topical now like I think it's awesome that like people are like super like more aware of her than they had been in the past she's also it's hilarious to me I'm like I'm like flying off on a tangent like people acting oh, yeah. like no one ever cared about Kate Bush until Stranger Things or it's like yeah she was a wildly successful artist for yeah. like decades and like just because like we kind of like stopped paying quite as much attention the last like 10 15 years doesn't mean that like she was just like nobody it reminds me of like when Kanye West and Paul McCartney did a song together with Rihanna and oh, everyone yeah. was just kind of like a lot of people who didn't like either didn't know any better or like whatever we're just like saying some like things that are funny knowing like how successful Paul McCartney is through the decades like i feel like there's like a little bit of a similar thing happening you know yeah yeah i mean and also to be honest on my end uh i did an episode on kate bush and mm -hmm. i didn't really listen to kate bush even before that and that was like a year before probably yeah. stranger things they, they used it so i'm not gonna act like i was like but mm -hmm. it's like i i don't but even with that i felt like i couldn't avoid people talking about it in certain circles yeah you know? for sure and so it was always, it's interesting that people were like, oh, I didn't know. Uh, but I don't know if you're like 20, you probably just didn't know. Yeah. No but one's like, born yeah, knowing anything. Yeah. But like the Paul McCartney thing, I feel like growing up, if like an older guy popped up on TV, I don't, among my, my parents, I would be like, who's that? But like among friends, I feel like I would be like, I'm just going to act like I know who it is. And I know yeah. that's probably not the good way to be. But, like, it's funny sometimes that I'm, like, people will just, I guess we're using tweet as the, yeah, people will just tweet out things, and I'm, like, yo, you have Google. I didn't have Google. I just had to act yeah. like I knew who yeah, the fuck yeah, this yeah. old guy was on the stage and then not along, you know. And, like, there may have been a point, too, where it was, 
you know, like at the radio station, you might have even acted. You'd be like, oh, oh I kind of know what this is. Oh, you know? I was so guilty of that. <laughs> Absolutely. I was so insecure when I showed up and I was like, Led Zeppelin course, is yeah. the best band of all time. And then everyone's like, so have you listened? Have you ever heard of My Bloody Valentine? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're like the most important band of the last 30 years. I'm like, are they? Are they? Fuck, fuck. Who is that? Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I mean, silly, but it's like people would be like, "Do you smoke cigarettes?" And they're like, "Yeah, man, I've been smoking cigarettes. <laughs> I've been smoking. You know? yeah. yeah, like five years, bro. Yeah, what do and you mean? It's like, like, yeah, I've smoked weed before. This is yeah. This is just what it's like. Yeah. Yeah, but people will just be like, or what's also funny is like when people discover a band, and it's not like a hard to find band, and they're like, "Have y'all heard of this band?" Mm-hmm. more bands need to sound like this band and then yeah. i'm like dude that was like a thing like five years ago like, five years ago and it's cool oh, yeah. you're discovering it now but you can't act like no one has done the thing which is kind of yeah. interesting i guess like we're talking with sh- about sugar cubes it's like going back to what i was talking about at the beginning it, it's so infuriating in a way that people were just like kind of erased this whole time frame of yeah. music or like it's just like for some reason it doesn't feel like books have been written in the same way as they were with like Nirvana or something. And mm-hmm. it's like, where is this era of things? And it doesn't have to be sugar cubes, but it like, where is that kind of like, there was like a big Boston scene in like the mid eighties that mm-hmm. like bands like dump truck or just tons of bands that were getting signed by major labels that didn't completely like pop but it's like there was something there and a lot of that like homestead record scene it just feels like it's been forgotten yeah there's like major label bands like even when you're thinking of something like this band called seaweed it's up until like a year ago there's just like hollywood records there are big major labels that just don't like put their stuff up on streaming so it's just like impossible to like kind of be a new person into the band yeah yeah so I don't I don't know something I've been thinking about a lot. Like there's this band called like American Music Club, and it's it's just the idea that like when you go online and you're like, oh I want to listen to this band, but then if none of their records are on streaming, like what do you do? It you know you used to just yeah. I guess like I don't know used to steal it, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I'm constantly also like thinking about like just like the like every time we jump to like a new listening format like when we went from vinyl records to cassette tapes then cassette tapes to eight tracks and then eight track or eight tracks were first my bad eight i think yeah i don't know someone can challenge me someone can embarrass me online later about it but like yeah when we just jumped from like tapes to like cds and now we're going from cds into streaming there's always artists that are just like getting left behind and are just being completely forgotten because they were not relevant or popular enough to like make that jump from format to for like to the next one and so on. Like I like think about this with like vinyl, like whenever I'm digging through like a at like a record shop or something, I'm like, oh my God, how many of these like like unrecognizable like dollar bin artists are just like going to be completely erased like once this like once this like copy of the vinyl like inevitably breaks down because it's physical media and like no one cared enough to like put it on youtube or whatever like there's so many artists that are just completely lost to like the sands of time because of that 
And yeah, or because like whatever major label or audiences just didn't feel like they were like a big enough of like the everyone's like attention, like eating up enough attention to justify like writing about or archiving in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I actually I remember the artist that I was thinking of that I went home and I was like, I think I was like, oh, I'm not going to buy this other record because I, I want to actually expend more time listening to like more of his catalog. Mm-hmm. It was Marshall Crenshaw, who isn't like okay. a small artist, like is like a power pop dude, mm-hmm. you know, and like there are hardly any early records on streaming. And I don't know yeah. why that is, you know, and it's like this isn't this like he played Buddy Holly in the La Bamba movie. Like it's like a guy that at a time frame people knew who he was. Yeah. And I feel like people name check him, but just straight up like his first three records aren't on streaming. Aren't on on streaming. Yeah. No, it's crazy yeah. how many artists are like that. And like, I don't know if you're into like Numero Group or Light in the Attic, which are like labels that are like all yeah. dedicated to like finding those like rare, hard to find artists and then like putting them out and like getting them on streaming and stuff. But I think that they're like, what they do is like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah, like they did a collection for uh, this group, Noise Attic, which was Ben Lee's band when he was like a little kid in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a whole Numero group collection of like their EPs. And they had a, but they were like 15 year olds when they made their record. And it just That's really cool. it sounds exactly like little kids trying to Make write Sebado songs or something. You know? <laughs> That's really uh, funny. So it's like, I. I mean, now because of Numero Group, that was that's on streaming, but it would have just never been. Yeah. I mean, I guess all of the going back to Sugar Cubes, all of these are on streaming, but it's like, how do we make sure more people are getting into them? You know? Yeah, and there's just no know. guarantee, and like, I don't know. It's like I also just get so overwhelmed by like how much music is coming out currently and has already existed like there's always artists that I'm hearing about and I'm like oh this was a blind spot that I didn't even know that I had until recently like oh god there was like someone like like and it almost feels like that um that like cool like that phenomenon I think it's like the frequency like something there's where it's like you hear about you hear a word or like a name or something for the first time ever in your life and the next thing you know you're hearing it over and over and over and constantly to the point where it feels like it's like a cosmic like thing that's being shouted at you god there was some like huge band that like I just never ever heard of until recently that that just happened with and now that I'm listening to you I'm like where has this been my whole life yada 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 yeah that's kind of what happened with that band american music club it seemed mm-hmm. like it's like oh i guess people know who this is it's like someone was like oh y'all kind of sound like american music club and i'm like i i don't know i, I feel like i had to do the yeah. thing like oh i've heard the name <laughs> thing yeah but sure. yeah like i i feel like because of this now i'm gonna just like see people wearing like sugar cube shirts because yes yeah, you might you might episode. see you might see yeah. that like happening yeah it's this is the silliest thing but it almost it almost feels like when when you're playing Zelda and you haven't been okay. to a place on a map. Horrible and news. It's horrible news. <laughs> I've never played Zelda, dude. I okay. well, like when you're playing a video game and you haven't been to a place on like a map. Let's I think like mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid. Every video game used to do this. Okay. But it would be like grayed out because you hadn't been there. Okay. And, and then, then clouds... afterwards you're like, oh, you know, and then you're like, oh, I've been there. And that's why mm-hmm. I said it was like the the dumbest way to explain. It. But like once you kind of 
see it, I guess you start paying attention to it. Like, mm-hmm. even like after I did the Kate Bush episode, it was like, oh, you know, all of these things that I, you, it's you start like connecting the dots with so many other For things. Sure, yeah. You know, so I guess kind of back to the idea of you can't know until you know kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like maybe if you're like, hey, you should listen to Sugar Cube. So will they listen to you? You know, it's like, why would they check out this thing? But then like a year later, you see them like they're like, oh, Sugar Cubes is the best band ever. It's it's like a funny thing. It is very funny. Yeah. And that happens all the goddamn time. So here's something else about this whole like band and like Iceland as a scene that I like found really like interesting that I had no clue about was apparently like at some point during the 70s in an effort to discourage like youth like alcohol abuse and like like curb like teens drinking and stuff like that they banned like music and bands from Iceland like and it like really like was just like heavily discouraged and then some point during the eight, I think it was like literally right like 1979 or 1980, they lifted that ban. And then there was like an explosion of punk bands. And that's where like Bjork and like all of, and like Einar and all of their like previous bands before the Sugar Cubes formed kind of like exploded. And like there was a whole like scene renaissance of like all of these bands that had been like not allowed to play because of like footloose laws yeah that like were like like nationally implemented that uh were lifted and then a whole entire scene popped off so i think that is like so funny that (laughs) yeah for some reason i I mean unfortunate and sad but also just like the fact that like footloose just happened irl (laughs) yeah it's i wonder kind of what politically kind of happened because i in my head i'm i don't know that much about iceland honestly Mm -hmm. but i'm like i always thought of them as potentially more of a progressive place like a lot of the european union places which i know they're a little different i just kind of i guess maybe i'm putting like sigaro in there um and Mm -hmm. just like for some reason i was just like oh yeah they're more progressive but i don't really have any way to really know that but i guess like after a point so I'm curious, like, what kind of changed socially or what kind of changes. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know the answer, but that would that's an interesting thing that. Me neither. Yeah. And it's just like one of those like funny things where it's like, oh, yeah, the whole entire like political climate of another country influencing the music that came out of there that we like, it's just an entire thing that just went straight over my head because I'm just a silly little American. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that I mean, it's like we've had kind of pockets of it due to like you know puritanical kind of things but i don't know it's it's so interesting because i feel like we're like not allowed to do things in the u.s and people Mm -hmm. kind of like hold things but then it's but then we look at somewhere like iceland and we're like oh well they they weren't allowed to do stuff and we're like that's surprising so i wonder if it felt different like them living through it but it's like it's kind of us looking at it from a distance you know yeah but there are also weird things where it's like like Germany will just like, which is another place that I feel like overall is more progressive, but they will just like not let people have like Cannibal Corpse records or something, you know, like they'll, yeah. and then like uh, Great Britain did a thing where like you weren't allowed to see certain horror movies, like it, they were banned for like a long time. 
Oh, really? I so, didn't know about that. Yeah. Interesting. And I, yeah, and I wonder if these were some of the same kind of rules that a weird censorship that, and <laughs> then kind of they they might have just pushed really hard the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But. But yeah, I think like if, because somebody will probably be screaming at us for if we didn't mention it, but, and I didn't want to really say his name because I feel like my pronunciation is going to be bad, but poor, the yeah. guitarist, um, and Bjork were married for like a year. Yeah. And, and they had like a yeah. kid together. Which I'm like, oh yeah, Bjork has children. Yeah. yeah. I think she only has the one child um, yeah. with Thor, pure yeah I'm trying to pronounce his but, name but yeah so they were they got divorced while they were still a band and yeah. still like played together yeah which and is that's like half yeah. to them like i don't know how anyone could like possibly like manage being in a band with an ex like i don't know about i don't know if you've ever like dated a band member i've had crushes on band like past 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 bands um and that was just like messy enough like just having a crush on someone I was in a band with like I can't even imagine being married having a child and then getting divorced and still being in a band with someone like that is just beyond me yeah I can't imagine the, th the only thing I can think of that's sort of like that is like um Mac from Super Chunk and uh Laura they dated and then there's an album, a Super Chunk album, where a lot of the songs are about their breakup. Yeah. So there's like a book about it where she talks about essentially while he was singing the songs on stage, she would just be crying, playing bass. Because oh they were God. just all songs about her. Yeah. And I'm like, I I would just quit the band. It's like, always just know. so messy. I mean, like, like divorce is what like broke Sonic Youth up is another like yeah. famous example. Is Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon like breaking up um or the biggest one of all fucking Fleetwood Mac and they're like messy 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 messiness but yeah, yeah. so Sugar Cubes had a little bit of drama going on yeah behind but, the scenes. but it's also it feels like the reason that they broke up was just because well she wanted to go after her solo career mm -hmm. and it's like maybe they just don't talk about their relationship being like a catalyst of like their breakup but it doesn't seem to be from the outside it's just she wanted to do other things yeah as far yeah as far from an like as far as i could tell it did not seem like it related to the band like ending it kind of <laughs> just seemed like everyone else's like interests spiral like sprinting off in different directions and like they also like their debut album was their biggest album and like it was just like less and less interest as like they kept yeah. going as a band so maybe that also influenced it as well yeah and they did a reunion i think in like 2015 i may have the year wrong and then they just like donated all the money and said that they weren't going to do it like don't expect any more reunions yeah yeah i don't know it's just so cool when bands like it's fine when bands reunite but it's like if you reunite for like a reason and then you're like that's it mm -hmm. is like very bold i think <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it's like pretty pretty cool it's badass it's stronger than stronger than me especially because like there is like definitely huge interest in that band getting together and like uh, yeah i'd be like you can i can make how much money how much like money? even yeah. if it's <laughs> i'm pretty yeah. sure i'm trying to think who it is it's like some like 2000s like radio hit band like maybe lifehouse or the fray some band like that where like 
I've noticed that they only play like once a year. And when they do, it's for this like music festival in like the Czech Republic or something like that. And like, they don't ever tour, they don't play any other shows. It seems like the band is like functionally broken up, but they play this one festival every year over there. And I'm like, oh, they must be making stupid money because yeah, of that. Yeah, it's just like one benefactor, like a big fan that's just like, you know, bankrolls it. Like yeah, I, I was, uh, yeah, I was doing a little, it's not really the same thing at all. Um, there was a monkey show in Mexico mm-hmm. and there was like, and they played in a uh, bullfighting ring and hard, and there's like pictures of it and like hardly anyone was there. So essentially someone just paid them a lot of money to play this one show in Mexico Mm-hmm. and that was it that know? was it so so yeah so maybe if you have like a million dollars maybe i don't even know maybe. i feel like sugar cubes would say no probably i probably i agree with that they definitely say no they just say go fuck yourself yeah um but i got you know i've kept you for a long time i guess before i do let you go um well pool kids have released a new record and mm-hmm. the thing i always kind of like try and transition with is do you feel like this album has influenced anything you do in pool kids? Not immediate. Not some, I don't think so immediately. None of my bandmates are into this band. Um, and I did not look at them whenever I was coming up with like production suggestions or like I'm famous for like stealing bass lines and like reworking them and then shoving them into other songs. Um, I did not do that with this album. So I don't think so, but yeah. who knows? <laughs> yeah, It would be cool if I could be like, yeah, we took this note, that note, and X note, or like thing that was done here on this song and like try to implement it here, but like, nah, no connection. <laughs> Sorry. yeah i guess it's also kind of hard like if no one's kind of into it then it's it just kind of feels like it's like your own thing i think usually yeah. the answer to that question would probably be no but it's it's always like an interesting thing if someone was yeah. like actually yes you know actually but yeah. you know yeah but um i think what's what's also like thinking about the new pool kids record you all don't like completely live in the same area correct no it's funny um so christine who is our guitar player and singer she is my roommate so her and i live together in chicago and then our other guitar player andy he lives down in melbourne florida with his wife and then kaden our drummer lives in pittsburgh yeah i mean i think it's like an easier thing now um well like for instance for like my bandmate i feel like he's often like you have to flesh it out in the room and Mm -hmm. then you know and that's like an old model and it's you know so do you feel is it hard writing or is it just kind of like how it's been or how does that operate i guess i'm asking kind of a broad question okay so the way that we function as a long distance band is we make up for lost time where um to write this past record we had like week-long writing sessions where we would meet up we met up once in um, Miami um, which is near where Andy lived Um, we met up in uh, North Carolina actually um, on Moonshine Mountain 
um, not far from Asheville because Andy's wife has like a family like mountain vacation home. And we just went there back in like 2021 and just wrote like for 10 days straight, we were like, we are here to write songs and flesh them out and work them out together. And then we also met up here in Chicago, like at least twice for like songwriting sessions. And like, we do like marathon practices, marathon, like all day, like we are in there, like nothing else is going on. We are just in the lab as a unit working this stuff out. It's not like, we all have like recording setups where it's like Christine shoots oh, okay. like a demo over to Andy via email. And then he goes into GarageBand and records his parts. And then Caden does the same thing. And that's compiled like online. It's all like, we still do everything in person together. We just make, we just carve out huge chunks of time to make it all happen. Yeah. I so. mean, Cause like when I think about like the music I write, it's like, I don't know, most of it's like four, four things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, sometimes when I hear bands do, you know, kind of the long distance thing, I'm like, uh, you know, it's not that wild to think of like if everything's recorded to a click, but when I Mm -hmm. listen to like the new pool kids record, I'm like, if they did this, if they, if they did this long distance, I don't understand how anyone kind of like pieced it together. So that's, I don't know comforting is the right word i'm like oh okay you still have yeah. to do that because i'm like i don't know how you would make sense of it if if that's how it did yeah, yeah. and we yeah we definitely function best as like a group we're like very like democratic in like mm. good ways and bad like we will like nitpick over things for like forever as a group um but yeah no we do everything in person like people definitely think that we're doing the like whole like true long distance like sending of like demos and recording nah we still have to like hash it out in person i guess before i truly let you go if you wanted to talk about the new record for a second and also just where people can find you online so we just put out our album on july 22nd out on skeletal lightning um it is our sophomore record um, we made it with Mike Vernon Davis, who, for those who are not familiar, he is the um, engineer and producer that worked with Great Grandpa's last record, Four of Arrows, which was basically all of Pool Kids heard Four of Arrows and like fell in love. Like we've all liked Great Grandpa for a while, but we fell in love with that album so much that we were like, we have to know who was the person like outside of the band that like helped create this thing because we would love to work with him and then we also learned that he had worked with this band called Special Explosion that um, we also really really liked a lot but his name is Mike Vernon Davis he's an incredible producer um, and an unbelievable like human being like we got really really close with him during our recording process and the two people that also helped out on this record Jake Barrow and Sam Rawson amazing people they're all based in Seattle and making that record was like hands down the best experience of my life I have never like been so fulfilled by any creative endeavor I am so damn proud of it I hope that everyone listens to it um and we are on all streaming platforms we're on Spotify YouTube Tidal Apple Music all of those and we have all the usual social medias um you can find us at like either at pool kids or pool kids band on any one of those so that's kind of all i gotta say well i super appreciate you taking the time i know i've kept you for a long time uh i really enjoy the new pool kids record 
I feel like you were saying with the production on it, like it, it is, it feels bigger and I feel like it, it allows itself to like breathe more than, you know, I've heard with like the previous things, but mm-hmm. so I like it is all I'm saying, you know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, shout out to the power pop chat. Cause that's literally yeah. like how I know you. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm just going through uh, people on the chat and picking guests. So Slowly but surely. Uh, okay, okay. Welcome back. Thanks again to Nicolette for coming on the pod. Please check out the new Pool Kids record and catch them on tour soon with Mountain Goats and Origami Angel. All right, next week on the pod, we're talking with Susan Plant of the band Faye about Ween's album Pure Guava. Also... Go check out the new Faye album right now. It's called You're Better. It's on Bandcamp. You can pre-order the vinyl or CD. Just pick it up. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod and follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Rate, review, and subscribe. Wherever you can do that sort of thing, please leave a comment. I'm told it really helps. So that'd be very nice of you. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.